0: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs locked on Dolphins Friday, March 18th, 2022. First week of the 2022 league calendar year is coming to a close, which means we have plenty to process, including last night's blockbuster trade involving the Las Vegas Raiders and wide receiver Devontae Adams, and how that impacts your Miami Dolphins. Check your pulse. Let's get it. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at the draftnetwork.com. And your host here on Locked On Dolphins. I want to make sure I thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. I know there are a lot of great choices out there. For for those of you who are making Locked On Dolphins, that choice in the rotation, thank you. Bless you. And let's get after it with a little bit of Friday content here on the pod. The elephant in the room is. The trade of Devontae Adams into the AFC. And of course, this does not directly impact the Dolphins. The Dolphins are not in the same division as the Las Vegas Raiders. But I can't help but observe, and and I know this has been discussed at plenty of length uh, A, it does impact the Dolphins because the Dolphins play the Green Bay Packers at Hard Rock Stadium. But the AFC landscape is starting to look like a big old bear uh, for anybody looking to emerge from the conference as competitors to win a championship. The AFC West alone has brought in J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams, Russell Wilson. Like, (laughs) this was already a division that was with three weeks to go in the season last year, boasting teams that could all have finished the year with a winning record. Now, granted, attrition came through, they beat each other up, but I can't help but feel like, even if these teams beat each other up next year, the wild card picture in the AFC, and that's you know, respectfully to Miami, you got to beat Buffalo once before I put you in the conversation of not being a wild card team and being an AFC East champion. The wild card picture in the AFC is. Messy. obviously the New England Patriots uh, in the AFC East they're a team that I don't think has, has had a lot of additions to this point and I, I, they traded Shaq Mason away so I don't necessarily know and they let J.C. Jackson walk I don't necessarily know that New England is going to be pushing Buffalo any harder than we are for the AFC East just based on the transactions to this point for them. Jets, team in a rebuild. I still think they're probably a year away after this offseason, but I like what they've done this year. Uh, The Dolphins play the AFC North, and looking at that division, the Cleveland Browns obviously have a very good roster, uh, but they explored a trade for Deshaun Watson, uh, didn't get him. Lo and behold, now their quarterback has requested a trade. Maybe that ends up in an upgrade for them, depending on if Watson goes to Atlanta and that makes Matt Ryan available. We'll see. But um, Cleveland, I certainly think, has more star power. they got Amari Cooper this offseason. Pittsburgh, anybody other than Ben Roethlisberger playing quarterback with that defense that they have, and they signed Miles Jack, by the way, is going to make them a more dangerous team. You think about Baltimore getting healthy. Miami, you know, Baltimore has historically been a royal pain in the patoot for the Dolphins. Miami beat them last year, thank goodness. But Baltimore will be healthy. They will be bounced back. And then Cincinnati, who played in the Super Bowl and is hosting Lyle Collins on a free agent visit. And we're going to talk about Lyle Collins a little later on the show because I know some of you guys are ready to grab your pitchforks and your torches and go over to Miami Gardens for the handling of this offensive line. We'll talk about it. AFC South, yeah, I I don't think there's a lot lot of heat in that group. Tennessee. Indianapolis, Indianapolis already got rid of Carson Wentz. We don't know what they're doing at quarterback. It's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Would it be Matt Ryan? Would it be Baker Mayfield? Like, that's a team that's probably going to be a recipe for nine or ten wins. But as we unfortunately know all too well, in this landscape of the AFC, even before the heat got turned up to eleven, that's not going to be enough. And then the West, which has been absolutely Crazy with its talent allocation. The AFC West, everybody said, okay, yeah, bet, Pat Mahomes. We're going to load up. And everybody has loaded up. I say all that to say this. You as the Dolphins, um, you've been close the last two years. There's been a concentrated effort made in free agency to retain your defensive talent. Brennan Scarlett was just added. Obviously, the linebackers with Iguavin and Roberts and Riley all brought back. Nick Needham, franchise or a uh, restricted free agent tender to guarantee that he will be back with the team unless the Dolphins are going to get crazy compensation for him. Josh Boyer and the defensive staff retained. No cuts made yet. Most notable ones on defense would include Eric Rowe. Status quo, A, is good for avoiding attrition and avoiding turnover and avoiding miscommunications. But status quo is not going to get it done in the AFC. Here's the good news for the Dolphins, though, and let's just keep it specifically on the defensive side of the ball because that's, that's kind of where this theme and this thought uh, is most relevant. You can add, hopefully you get to a point where you're able to draft best players available in the NFL draft, and you could get some impact players just like you did last year. If you were drafting for need last year, you probably panic and you trade up to slam the door shut and draft a running back instead of drafting Javon Holland or you draft a running back instead of Jalen Phillips. I thought the Dolphins did a fair job drafting. Uh, they, They happened to check positions of need, but they also drafted best players available. And when those stars align, that's when special draft classes like the 2022 Dolphins draft class come together. Hopefully you can be at that point. But there's another thing that you can do. And and this avenue is going to be open to you for a while because these players usually linger for quite some time on free agency. Bring some veteran players into the fray as rotational pieces, please. I think about Melvin Ingram last year. Unsigned perfect fit. Dolphins bring him in for a visit. They don't pony up. He goes to Pittsburgh. And wouldn't you know, within the first two months in Pittsburgh, he's ready to go somewhere else because he wasn't getting opportunities. Alex Highsmith, who was a third round pick, had slammed the door shut opposite TJ Watt. Now, obviously, we we need to trim the fat on the roster and get back to having enough wiggle room and space, and it seems like we have saved significantly uh, for a big addition on the offensive line, but that shoe has not dropped yet. Make sure you have enough room to go get some of these guys. This is necessity. Experienced players who can offer that boom who might end up being short-term steals for you. Uh, I don't care about the average age of the roster, and I'm not saying that's the reason why these moves haven't been done, but you have the opportunity to add some really good football players who can add some big play winning dynamics into the formula that you have with this young nucleus on the defensive side of the ball that you have coveted so much that you have brought everybody back. Because just the status quo amidst everybody else in the AFC, not going to get it done. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us from all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, but it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's, let's talk about the offensive line because I know a lot of Dolphins fans are anxious, apprehensive, frustrated, impatient, flustered. I could keep going, but I won't. Instead, I'm going to read you a tweet from Marcel Louis-Jacques over at ESPN. While I still believe another offensive lineman signing is coming, I want to reiterate that I don't believe the Dolphins think their offensive line is as big of a problem as most people do. Wouldn't surprise me if they saw a bad scheme last year more than they did bad players. There's a follow-up. When I say another offensive lineman signing, I'm talking starting caliber. I'm sure there will be more depth additions over the course of the offseason. Here's the thing, because we are, we are sitting here and we are waiting for the Dolphins to sign an offensive tackle. The addition of Connor Williams is a good one to this team and to this roster. And it's a player that fills a vacancy at left guard. And he has experience in the kind of systems and concepts that the Dolphins are going to be implementing And he's young. He's going to be 25 this season. It's a good signing at a very good value for the first week of free agency. But we are still, of course, not seeing any action and movement in the offensive tackle market. There was Teron Armstead. Well, Teron Armstead, it seems like, and I I feel like this is important because Dolphins fans are like, Yo, wake up, Chris. Let's get something done here. And I don't disagree. But I also don't disagree with a lot of what Marcel said because I remember coming back through talking about this offensive line and saying, you're into your offensive line I'm generally okay with. I'm generally okay with the group that you have here. Robert Hunt, Michael Dieter, but your offensive tackles are not going to cut it. And if you ultimately end up saying, you know, we want Austin Jackson and Lee Micah Burke to compete for one starting offensive tackle spot, if you go out and you get a long-in-the-tooth veteran to stay behind him, and that's your break class in case of emergency, and do what you tried to do last year with DJ Fluker, like, I wouldn't hate it, but, like, you got to keep your foot on the gas if that's the case, and the guy you bring in doesn't work because they had Fluker who needed a knee procedure, and they said, Oh, okay, well, we got depth. We'll be fine. Well, no, you're not going to be fine. So, have a veteran on the roster behind those guys. But I don't know how your assessment of this offensive line includes Jesse Davis as the starting right tackle of the Miami Dolphins, and you think fine or appropriate or scheme problems can be applied in any capacity. Any capacity. And yes, Austin Jackson may continue to grow as a player, but the lows of his film last year were so low that I don't know how you could justify putting Faith, and to be fair... Austin played the majority of the year at left guard, and they came out and they signed a starting left guard. But the offensive tackles were always the softest part of this offensive line. And if you want to take two former top 40 picks and let them fight it out, duke it out, excuse me, top 45 picks, and duke it out between Liam and Austin, if you have a veteran behind it, okay. I can make peace with that. But the other tackle spot needs to be addressed with a starter, no questions asked. So I'm on the same page with everybody about the offensive line. But let's look at the offensive tackles because while I get we're getting impatient, we haven't really missed on anything yet because Teron Armstead is still floating around out there waiting to see if Deshaun Watson is going to pick the New Orleans Saints. Apparently, Watson's decision is between the Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. If he picks the Saints, there's a reasonable chance that New Orleans, because they've got $13 million in dead cap already on the books for Toronto Armstead because of voided years in his contract, you could get a new deal and you're only going to pay for anything that goes up over $13 million because he's already on the books. He might come back. But if Watson picks Atlanta, Armstead is suddenly shaking free and is not coming back. So you haven't lost out on Toronto Armstead yet. Lyle Collins, everybody was really excited about including me. And I find myself on Wednesday night, I'm saying, you know, there's a part of me that would rather just trade for Lyle Collins and have him for three years, $10 million to play the blind side, then pay Toronto Armstead potentially twice that much, and do the same thing that they did with Connor Williams. But here's the problem. It wasn't up to the Dolphins. Because the Dolphins were trying to trade for a player who was being moved on from because of cap implications. And Dallas saved more money by cutting... Lyle Collins, because they could designate him as a post June 1st cut and save more money against the cap. So, Miami, you were either going to have to vastly overpay in a trade and make it overwhelmingly worth their while to take less cap space as a team who is a contender to win a Super Bowl and is in a win now window and covets the cap space to have the flexibility to improve the roster right now, or you make your offer. Dallas says, no, we need the cap space. Sorry. And now he's on the open market, and that's where you find yourself. Now, I don't know how Cincinnati is the first team up that comes up for Collins on a visit, and if Collins goes to Cincinnati and signs, and it comes out that Miami didn't push that hard, yeah, I'm going to be pretty pissed because it's a no-brainer but like the biggest appeal for Lyle Collins now too was his contract versus his relative to his position and his level of play that's no longer in play because he's a free agent the free agent market for him is going to heat up too don't expect to get Lyle Collins for for 10 million per and maybe I'll end up with egg on my face when this is all said and done and if that's the case then so be it that's fine but Lyle Collins is still out there too and the dolphins well, it sounded like they tried. But Dallas needs the space. And because Dallas needs the space, Lau Collins is on the market. They're both still out there, though. Also out there for you is an excellent opportunity to bolster your cabinet with Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. They're absolutely, positively delicious. Right now, you can visit Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and save 15% off your next order that is Built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. As a point of emphasis here, I'm looking at the offensive tackle market according to our friends over at OverTheCap.com. And there are some signings that have been made. Chukwuma Core for signing to go back to Pittsburgh for nearly $10 million per season. Joe Noteboom. Locked on Dolphins had a lot of interest, potentially, in, in Joe Noteboom, but uh, he signed for $13 million per season to stay with the Rams. And as a point of reference, Joe Nopum played 15% of the snaps for the Rams last year, played in 10 games and 56% of the snaps for the Rams in 2020, 34% of the snaps. He's never played more than 56% of the snaps in any of his first four seasons, and he got 13, $13.5 million. Is that the kind of market price you guys were interested in paying out for Joe Nopum? When you consider what Teron Armstead could go for or what? potentially Lyle Collins you could get for. So, yeah, like, those guys are off the books, and yeah, Orlando Brown Jr. got the franchise tag. He was a terrible scheme fit for what the Dolphins are going to try to do anyway. Same thing can be said for Cam Robinson. I don't think Cam Robinson's particularly good. He's not a player that I'd be paying $18 million for. So, like, who are we freaking out about that's been signed yet? This market is slow. This market is relevant to the wide receiver market last year, where everybody's freaking out that we didn't get a receiver and then we signed Will Fuller. Well, Kyle, bad example because Will Fuller ended up not playing for the Dolphins because he got hurt. Yeah, but you know what? They still found a good value. They still found a player and everybody stunk in that wide receiver room. So if everybody stinks in the offensive tackle group this year, then we're just destined to deal with bad offensive tackle play. But it is what it is. There's nobody that's off the board for the Dolphins at offensive tackle right now that you should be heartbroken about seeing go. Are you sad that you're not gonna get Morgan Moses who signed in Baltimore? I'm looking. Trent Brown, you know, Trent Brown is um A still available. But B, he's also somebody who's Kind of contested, I know, amongst Dolphins fans. Um, But I will say this, he did play for Mike McDaniel in 2017. He's probably a better scheme fit for a little bit more downhill running. But he played and, and had a breakout year for the 49ers in 2017, playing in this system. And then... As a point of reference, I know I'm not the first Dolphins personality to bring these names to the table, but if you are really intent on letting Liam Eikenberg and uh, Austin Jackson compete for a starting job, I'm looking at names like Dwayne Brown, Jason Peters. Ideally not Jason Peters. I think Dwayne Brown's the right answer here. Names also showing as unaccounted for with signings. Eric Fisher. Riley Reef, Billy Turner. Relax, guys. Billy's been a better player (laughs) since he left and went to Green Bay. Dennis Kelly. Every single one of these players is an upgrade over what you had at right tackle last year and you still have the big fish. So, I'm frustrated, I'm getting impatient as well, but I'm trying to keep my perspective of you can't get mad at the dolphins for not doing somebody not doing something that nobody has done yet. Which as of this morning, has been get the offensive tackle market to move because the top dog is waiting to figure out where the quarterback that he wants to play with is going to choose to get traded to. And the trickle-down effect, unfortunately, is a log jam. So the Dolphins got to have their shit together so that when that shoe drops, they can push play, they can go out, and they can get that upgrade. In a perfect world, we get two starting tackles, but you got Connor Williams, you're, you're going to have to get somebody to replace the right tackle, replace the blind side. If you don't want to go out and get another tackle, I would at least ask you, and I know I mentioned this earlier this week, entertain the idea of J.C. Tredder. Because I'm a huge Michael Dieter guy, much more so than I think many people are. But you're not going to catch me advocating for Michael Dieter to keep the starting spot over J.C. freaking Tredder. So, we shall see. But, in the words of one now probably pissed-off quarterback uh, who's without his top receiver to bring this show for a circle, R-E-L-A-X. Relax. It's Friday. Enjoy yourself. Dolphins, nucleus on defense, maintain. Get a chance to stack now. Get a couple veteran guys. Get a dynamic rookie to add into the mix. Your offensive backfield is as talented as it's been since who knows? Mostert, I know, has injury concerns, but Chase Edmonds, you might add a rookie to that group, too. Life's not all bad. It's Friday. You listen to Locked On Dolphins. What a great way to start the day. I thank you for doing it. Hope you guys enjoy. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins of Kyle Krabs. I'll talk to you guys again on Monday.